the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and say so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm Brandon, along with Ed. How you doing? Yo. I'm alright. I um, I admit I'm feeling defeated today. Normally, I'm okay. Actually, I'm okay anyway, but like, I went to get like an oil change today for my sports car, and it was like a hundred bucks. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, like is this the product i mean i i know what the, the this is the product of what how things are but and that fucking bullshit mine's about 70 something for my truck right and it's like and that's fine i expected that but almost 100 bucks that's just because of the type of vehicle it is i'm assuming it has that special fucking in, like engine oil yeah but like i feel like and before it wasn't as expensive. Like, I think it's part of this bullshit inflation we're going through. And then we're busy, like, doing our bills and how much we pay in groceries and what little we have or what little we get as mm-hmm. far as, like, like, I'm just angry about this. It's really annoying as shit. Like, I'm not working as much when I did, like, before. See, I wasn't worried then. But now it's like, Getting stressed out about it. Yeah, it makes me a little... I mean, I'm not supposed to be thinking negatively, but it's like, how much more can anybody possibly deal with this? Like, I'm not the only person. It's like, kind of bullshit. And it's like, you know, like, I <laughs> I was not worried about my job security because, like, it's just like most humans, and I'll go on a rant here, is like, we had, we have pretty much a crappy turnover where we work nobody wants to work and it's like you could almost reflect that against people that are in bands like if you can't keep a fucking job you're probably not going to be a good band member either and it's like it's amazing huh i said that's the truth and like you know like priorities fucking get your shit together now i mean i'm talking about two unrelated things but yet they're kind of one and the same. I don't know. It's in a way being in a band is kind of a a job with little reward. Maybe it's good. Maybe it keeps you to sanity. But man, I'm just like defeated by just the ridiculousness of how everything is now. Like how much life is catching is. up to you. Well, I mean, it has been once like they started cutting my hours from work. I mean, I'm working a full week, but sometimes we work on we don't work on Fridays, and it's like I've never 
ever had to deal with that. And my, and I worked like through the whole beast era and like with tons of overtime because I wasn't worried, but now it's like, Oh, what the fuck, man? (laughs) I feel the same way. I haven't had much overtime hardly at all last year. And I have the benefit of getting reimbursed my mileage, but I've not been going to an active contract. So I've not been getting mileage. And that was like an extra $800 every couple of weeks. Now, obviously I had to pay for my own gas. So you have to take that into consideration. I'm not getting straight up $800 considering I was putting in like three to $400 in gas. Right. But, but that's still extra money that I'm not getting at all now. And I'm still paying for gas. Right. So it's like, I feel the difference too. I think we all do. Bullshit. (laughs) There's no reason gas is fucking $4 a gallon. No, there should be no reason for like groceries being expensive as they are. I mean, this is bullshit. And I don't know any, I don't, whoever can want to justify it, you need fucking slap in the face. It's not right. And I'm fucking sick of it. (laughs) I bought a box, not even a big box, just a normal size box of Spicy Cheez-Its. I forget what the hot and spicy Cheez-Its. It was five fucking dollars. Wow. For a, I was like, Cheez-Its are five fucking dollars now? <laughs> That's wrong. All it is is just fucking wheat and fucking cheese flavored powder. <laughs> it literally should not be five dollars. It used to be like two something. I think it was like two ninety nine a box at the most. Now it's like it was four seventy nine or some shit. Someone makes it. Yeah, someone makes sense of this. This is fucking bullshit. Inflation has only went up like four or five percent, though. I was like, the fuck it has. It never needed to go up. We suffered enough. We were locked in our homes. It's bullshit, and I'm fucking tired of it. That's all I'm saying. For you know, during that time, I spent a good amount of being pretty like level-headed. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna fucking panic. And now that. I feel like I'm playing opposite day now. Now those people were panicking then. Now I'm the one going through it. Well, not to that degree, <laughs> but like it's just it angers me and it frustrates me because like again, I'm a guy that's only worked only two jobs his whole life, and it's just like, ugh, I don't know, I don't, I can't describe it. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I feel. <laughs> I know, but yeah, I do. I but again, yeah, I. Part of the music musician rant was if you can't hold a fucking job, you shouldn't be in a fucking band. Like nobody wants to deal with that. <laughs> you need someone that has a job so they can actually help contribute. So it's not just one person doing all the contributing as it usually was me in every band that I was ever part of for the most part. <laughs> right. I get tired of being band dad and being banker. Well, yeah. But and that's a rant for another time. Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to rant about a random thing because I'm human and I have to rant about human things. <laughs> Real world topics. Inflation sucks. No one makes enough money and fuck the government. Fuck the government. Because like, you know, like there's all these cool concerts coming up and fucking ticket prices are ridiculous. And it's like, man, I just, I guess in a way, maybe I was just over, not overspending, but I was just a little comfortable. Now I have to be more cautious. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Well, we're going to bring on the guests tonight. So anyone out there listening and wants to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com. 
and we will get you scheduled, but we're going to hang tight for a second and we'll be right back. I'd like to take the time to welcome our guest, Patrick, to the show. Patrick, thanks for coming out and talking to Ed and I. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> How's I'm it going? Yeah. It's going well, you know, just uh, out here trying to do the thing and trying to enjoy playing some music for folks and things like that, but it's going well. How about you guys? Living the dream. I'm living someone else's dream and I'm tired of it. This is what how I feel. Also, the dream or the nightmare? Uh, it's, it's a, I don't know. If dreams had purgatory, that would be it. <laughs> right? If that makes sense. No? I can no. get behind that. Okay. So I forgot to tell you, Pat, that lately I've been playing games with our guests and I've you probably heard it at the beginning, but I'm going to listen to your voice and try to figure out what you look like without even knowing. Cause I have no idea what you look like. I don't do any research on any of the guests at all. I just come in fresh and I just eventually I'm going to make a guess what you look like later on by your voice. <laughs> sure. I'm here for it. I'm happy. To play I've, the been, game. I've been completely wrong every time, <laughs> every fucking time. <laughs> That's the funny part. Yeah. Anyway. I'm so, I'm I'm almost more excited to hear what you think I look like. I'm I'm getting ideas, but we'll 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 get started with more of you. So how I, long? Have, I knew start? what you look like. I was gonna say I saw what you look like, and you, I had a preconceived idea what your voice would sound like, and it sounds nothing like what I thought it would. Oh well, interesting, interesting to know. <laughs> yes. So you've been a musician for how long? Been a musician for a long time i it's kind of a it's it's a weird mix i kind of have like two sides to my story like i've been in band since like sixth grade so since i was like 12 or 13 so i've been learning to play an instrument saxophone was my main thing and i've been doing that for such a long time i did that all through high school and band was like my thing uh and then i even went to college for um music education and saxophone was still my thing. And I did that all through college. Mm. But when I went to music education or went to school for music education, one of the things they always recommended was, Hey, you have to, as part of a music education course, you have to pick up guitar and learn how to, you know, just a, a couple chords to accompany yourself when you're teaching things in a classroom. So I picked it up and wanted to keep playing and I just enjoyed it. So I've been playing guitar since like 2009. Um, and I've been in five after midnight, my current band. Um, I've been in that band since uh, about 2013 is when we first started getting together, kind of got together in a, uh, under a different name, um, which we never made it. We had a name, but we never made any kind of promotional material or had any gigs. We just only rehearsed essentially, um, and then people came and went, so we kind of fizzled out for a little bit and came back as five after midnight and we've been together or some version of the group has been together since 2013. And, um, so we've been doing this version of the band for about 10 years now. Mm. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, damn it. I forgot what I was going to say. I lost it. <laughs> so i guess basically the the basis of the show is so and that's that's been your only band this band correct 
That, yeah, that's been my only band. Uh, we've oh. had a couple different iterations within, like w- like versions of or things that we've tried to do within this band. Right. Um, but we've this has been the only only band I played in. And actually, when we first started, the own I, I originally started on saxophone in the band, hmm. um, and just as like a horn player, just kind of adding secondary melodic lines. And we had different guitarists and groups in playing other things. And then as people came and went, uh, I ended up picking up an acoustic guitar and kind of being like a rhythm player for a little bit. And then our we had a vocalist who was in the band who left um, to go um, do theater work. And while he was gone doing theater work, I stepped in during rehearsals to start singing and um, while we were just practicing random shit. And uh, it ended up being that he never told us when he was coming back. He never announced that he was back in town. And so we just kind of kept going and I kind of became the de facto front man playing guitar and singing for the group. Um, Yeah. We originally started as a, uh, as we, we were kind of doing a mix of both. Like we were writing originals and doing a lot of, you know, pop rock, um, a little bit of funk in there. And just because we were starting out and we were just trying to see if the thing would work, we just also played a bunch of covers of stuff that we liked playing. And we tried and tried and tried and tried with original stuff. And it just ended up not working for us. We never got any nibbles. People got disinterested because they decided to leave because they didn't like what we were playing or they just didn't, you know, you're wanting to put more time in this than I can offer. So people would come and go. And eventually what it came down to um, was, you know, if we want to get gigs and if we want to do the thing, we need to start learning more covers. Um, and I know based off of listening to some episodes with you guys before and just kind of the the industry in general that cover bands kind of look down or look down upon a little bit just because it's like the, well, you're playing other people's music and you're doing that. But for us, it was just, we just want to play, you know, it's, we just want to do something and we like, playing certain music and having fun. Most people in the band have a different nine to five. So for us, it was just like, we just want to play music. And if this is the way we can get some kind of gig, then let's start learning some covers. And we just kind of opened up our catalog from there. And now we're primarily just a cover band. It's a hard, it is a hard market. I mean, trying to put originals out there and then nobody accepts them. So then you got to throw something people mm-hmm. know it, and sometimes it works i mean yeah it's i guess it depends on the venue too <laughs> i think the reason cover bands are looked down upon from other musicians is because a lot of the other musicians want to create their own music which you kind of touched on that but as a cover band you guys are almost always going to be able to find work easier because you can play at venues at play music that everyone else knows and everyone else gets into you guys get paid and then the struggle for the musicians that are trying to create their own original stuff no one cares about the original stuff they've never heard it before so i think that's where the hatred i think stems from from a lot of people when it comes to cover bands i could be a hundred percent wrong but but it makes total sense like it's you know, it, it makes total sense to me of that idea of like, well, how come you're getting the gig and nobody wants to listen to my stuff? Like it's, I totally understand why people, you know, have, have a, a bit of a hatred towards cover bands, but at the same time, like in the end, a gig is a gig is a gig. And if, if, you know, we're all just out here trying to do the thing and make music and 
and play for people to listen. So if we can do it one way or another and not be elitist assholes about it, then why not just continue to do it? Yeah. As long as you guys are having fun with it, I mean, shouldn't really matter. Right. Like that's coming from a band that's done original stuff. I've never been, I'm not a hundred percent big fan of cover bands, but I understand why they're there. I understand why you guys do it. And I've asked, been asked to do covers here and there, and I've never done covers before. And I'm not good enough to sing in a cover band. So, (laughs) but if I guess I could be a good singer, maybe I would consider it sometimes. But at the time, as what I've done, I'm like, I'm a screamer. I can't. (laughs) No, what am I going to cover that anyone wants to really listen to? Otherwise, I'd (laughs) listen to my normal stuff. Sorry, I was thinking about like, your whole transition from like a horn player to singing like that's kind of wild that you had to be like almost bumped into that <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was weird um because the so the the drummer and the original singer and myself we all knew each other from college um we all went to ball state originally i never graduated from there i ended up going to finishing a, a degree somewhere else but I did a good chunk of time there and I knew these guys from ball state and one of them just posted on Facebook randomly was like, Hey, I think I want to start a band. Who's in. And the drummer and I both went, yeah, we're in like, we won't. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it happen. But you really can't have a band with drums, saxophone and vocals. So we kind of had to reach out to other people and we found those folks, but it was really just kind of a necessity thing. Like I never, thought myself to be that great of a singer. I never thought myself to be that great of a guitar player. I was very much a, like a church guitar player where (laughs) if you put a a chord sheet in front of me and, and I knew the song, I could kind of fuddle my way through the chords. Um, And I would say even today, I'm not that great of a guitar player. Um, I, I still kind of just make it through. I, I learned the line that I can, but when you're also singing, it's sometimes, man, sometimes it's hard for me just in general to play up the lead line and sing at the same time. So it's kind of a struggle there, but it just kind of happened. It was just the the way the natural process of it happened. The singer decided to leave and I helped write songs with him when we were trying to do originals. And, you know, we got into a studio in the indie area and made a little demo and recorded a couple songs. And some of them were ones that I wrote and it was kind of prog rock esque and then we had ones that were passion projects of his that were kind of more like acoustic pop and we had a bunch of different things going on but when he left we didn't feel right continuing to play those songs without him since he was kind of the recorded singer on it so we had to rehearse and we wanted to keep playing something so it just became a hey what if we did that song or hey what if we did that song and I just kind of stepped up to the mic and just started out by saying you know just kind of humming a melody okay you know in an okay fashion because yeah. i had the ear training from being in, in the school of music and doing that but then i it, it just by by doing it by rote um i got better at it and then my now wife is uh was a former choir teacher as well so it was also kind of a perk to to get a bit of uh some lessons from from your girlfriend and now wife to learn how to sing and control better so it just ended up working out that way, just kind of by necessity. Right. I actually was, I had a thought. I was like, well, I bet you if you played original country, you'd probably be more accepted. 
which I'm wondering if like that's the case. Eventually, we'll probably get a original country band on there, and we'll ask them like, "Do you get more gigs because you're a country band?" And they don't care. Like, you know, what I mean, that's how much people like country nowadays. They will accept any form of it. I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a country fan. But whatever. <laughs> I, I'm not either, and I will say uh, a lot of people in the band aren't either. So, it's. I would agree with you in that in that sentiment, but I would take your word on it as well. Eventually, we'll find out. I'm going to drill them because that's what I do. So I guess, <laughs> again, the basis of the show. So what has been a nightmare things that been happening to you in your musical career that kind of makes some crazy stories? Oh, yeah. I got I got a handful of them here. Sure. Um, one of the first things I know, I just... As I was thinking of like the crazy stories and the crazy things I've been thinking of just or experienced throughout the years, I've um just kind of came like I'm like, oh man, I've done a lot of different weird music stuff around, you know, both on the saxophone side and on the singer, you know, cover band side. And they're all very different. And one of the first things that came to mind from my years playing saxophone was, you know, in in college, you get a ton of air quotes gigs. But it's really just because, you know, you're in that ensemble, they have performances, you make connections with those people in those ensembles that kind of lead to more, you know, opportunities and things like that. And sometimes, especially in just in the Muncie area, a lot of the local businesses or the festivals that happen in Muncie, they typically want some of those ball state ensembles to come out. So, you know, I've played you know, for like a, a street festival in Muncie, but it's because the whole jazz band played it, you know, not because mm-hmm. I specifically had it, but kind of going back to those connections you make, I made in the, at Ball State, I played Barry saxophone for um, one of their jazz bands. And one of the jazz bands above me, they kind of have it in a tiered system of like, you know, one, two, three, one being the best three being, you know, just a, a lower tier. Um, but so one of the jazz bands above me, the Barry saxophonist came to me and he said, Hey, I, um, am in a pit orchestra for, uh, the Muncie civic theater and I can't make opening night. I need a sub. Can you sub in for me? And the only, I said, yes, but the only reason why is because I knew the show they were doing Chicago. And I'm like, well, I know that I, you know, I grew up in a very musical family and we'd listened to it and I'd seen the movie and stuff like that. So I knew the music pretty well. And I was like, sure. Well, what, you know, what do they need? Oh, they need these three instruments. And it was Barry saxophone, tenor saxophone and bass clarinet. I'm like, I got you. I can rent all three of those from the school or, you know, I already have those rentals out. Let me just take those and I'll go play. What time do I need to be there? Go and do the show. Um, Show goes great. Um, it was one of those things where I'm, I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, but I freaked out for a day just because I had like one day's notice to, to learn the book before hopping into the pit orchestra. And I go and do the show. It's a fun time just because to me, playing in a pit orchestra is a bunch of fun for a musical. And there's a lot of good people in the pit. There's a lot of people I recognize from the school of music. There's some professors from the school of music playing. It's a real jazzy show. So it's fun to kind of do that. We, the show ends, the director comes to me, hey, man, you did great. Thanks for subbing in. Can I get your contact information? I'd love to have you come back and play for other shows when we do that. Yeah, sure thing. You know, appreciate it. And then I found out um, a friend of mine from a high school who was also at Ball State was actually playing one of the leading roles in the show. 
And he comes up to me after the show uh, and he goes, Hey, great job tonight. And I'm like, yeah, like you could really hear the saxophone part. And he goes, no, really. It, it was the first time that we've ever heard the saxophone part being played. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What about, what about the other guy who was here? And he goes, Oh, he's like barely showed up for a rehearsal or whatever. And, or if he does, like, we can't hear it. It's, there's always problems with it. I'm like, well, that's weird. So, sh- you know, I've done the show. It's all fun and games. Like I subbed in it, it was what it was. And then I tell my friends about this. I'm like, yeah, I just did the show. I did it here. And they go, are you going to get paid? I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I I was just kind of subbing in. Isn't that just why we had the, he goes, no, no, no. This is not through the school. This is through the Muncie civic theater. They pay their people. So you should be getting some sort of, of, of compensation, especially if you played on opening night. And I go, well, I'll go talk to the guy. And I go talk to him and I say, Hey, they mentioned that there should be pay for me since I played an opening night. And the guy tells me, he goes, oh, well, see, here's the deal. This other guy was the one who actually got called for the show. And then he couldn't make any of the shows. But because he was the one who got called, he said he's keeping half the money. And then he was going to give the other half to me because I had to show up at all the rehearsals and do the shows. So I don't have any money for you because he's keeping half and I'm keeping half. But thanks for opening, you know, playing opening night for us. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like what a, what a dick move, like opening night of a show. And you give me like 24 hours notice to do it. And, and you're not going to pay me. I don't know whose ass I'd kick first. The other guys for not telling you like, oh, here's some money. When you didn't show up because <laughs> you took a spot, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, it was, it was so up. frustrating. <laughs> You're a you're a professional here. You might be pretty. You're probably be the most professional we've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's shitty. Like, I yeah, I don't understand what. Uh, that's a, that's a that's a whole nother level of weirdness right there. Like, not yeah. <laughs> it was it was definitely kind of a a goofy one. Um, but yeah, it, it was just this was just one show, right? Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, it wasn't even like doing all of the performances it was only opening night for the first show ever so like he i could have understood like if he said hey you know there's there's five shows i'm gonna give you 20 percent of what what i have because you only played one show right i'd be fine with that but he gave me nothing (laughs) Mm. did you ever do it again no i ended up it ended up being where at that time i think where i was i ended up um leaving Ball State in the Muncie Civic, and I never got called back. Um, whoever that director was, and I never got his. You know, he never called me for the other or the next show or anything like that. Hmm. Um, and I've not heard anything from either of those other saxophone guys either. They kind of did their thing, and either I left and never heard from them again, and don't know what they're doing now. But hopefully, it's not you know ripping off people subbing in for them. Are, are are saxophone players natural assholes? I've I don't know any, so I'm just wondering. Absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, like, there's there's always exceptions to the case, but like, man, your trumpet players are, <laughs> your trumpet players are the, I'm better than you, and I'm gonna tell you about it because I'm I'm better than you, and so watch it. But saxophone players are the I'm better than you, but I'm gonna sit here and just kind of let you stew in it, and then I'm gonna show you how I'm better than you. You know, like it's it's been interesting because, like, in recent years, a lot of saxophone players have made it on metal bands, as far as like solos, 
And it, oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't Rivers know why. Nile. Rivers of Nile, like uh, this other band that. Oh, what band is it? It's a uh, Haunted Shores. They have like saxophone solos. I'm like, what the fuck? So, uh, the Faceless. There's a saxophone. Yeah. Like, you should get on a metal band and play like saxophone solos. It's actually acceptable now. It's very strange, but it's cool. It's, it's actually like, pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, so if you ever have a, you could, I was gonna say like you put a Craigslist, any metal bands need a saxophone, so I bet you you'll have like several hit you up. I'm dead serious. As, as for fun, yeah, just letting you know. <laughs> man, man, I might, I might do that. That sounds actually sounds pretty fun. Yeah. And you know, funny you say so. Funny you say that. Our our band five after midnight we we're a cover band we have a horn section which we think that's kind of one of the things that helps us stand out from by the way you play chicago covers we do we because do that uh, okay that's cool oh yeah we we make sure like between funk songs and chicago and just if, if it's got a, a hidden horn section then we do it like we've um you know if, if there's an arrangement of a beyonce song from her homecoming performance from coachella a few years back that has like a just this this bitch and horn line and so we cover that song and threw that specific horn line in because of it um it was just you know so we we try to feature them as much as possible um but it's funny you mentioned the the saxophone with like the the metal bands our saxophonist tony is a great dude and he is a a indie local person who does a lot of different gigs. He's in a lot of different projects mm. and he enjoys playing with us for fun as well. Um, but he, one of the projects he says he's mentioned is he kind of plays in this pop punk horn group thing. Uh, so they end up doing a lot of like saxophone solos over pop punk, like a oh, lot like of Paramore ska, and stuff like the that. Ska yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. We'll say like the old throwback ska, the mighty, mighty boss tones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Every once in a while, whenever we have a, a punk song in our our set list, he'll just come up and be like, "Hey, keep a keep a verse going. I want to solo over this." And we let him go, and it's kind of a goofy little thing, but it it's it sounds really good, and people seem to enjoy it. Nice little side note about saxophone players. So, like <laughs> the guy from uh, damn, I can't think of his name. The guy from like uh, Lost Boys, I can't think of his name, but like he was actually playing a gig the day I was getting married. I wanted to see him. I was hoping to invite him, but like that's a little, I think he was playing Black Circle Brew. But yeah, the saxophone guy from Lost Boys was played last year. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. It just reminded me of that. Sure. I mean, that'd be freaking awesome to have him there, but. <laughs> right. But come to my wedding. I, I wanted to check that gig out, but whatever. Oh, well. That dude has to be pretty old now, doesn't he? he Lost Boys pretty- is like from the fucking 80s. He's still doing music and he's still kind of he's not as buff, but you know, he's still got the kind of the get up. Well, he's a vampire, of. wasn't he? He's not gonna age. Oh, he wasn't <laughs> a vampire. He was just I thought he was a vampire too. Maybe not. No, I watched that was... movie forever. It's the most random thing. Like there's memes about it, like, you know what this movie needs? It's a saxophone muscled guy in the fucking middle of the mill somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back back on to this some weird, weird crazy gigs like yeah what else had happened to you <laughs> yeah um just talking about it, this is also just my experience with things so i kind of sticking back to pre pre cover band days um one of the things i also did at ball state was we they had a, a show choir there and they had 
university students from the wind players and the band players be like the backup band for that show choir. And it was an ensemble that my brother actually roped me into. He's like, Hey, we need a saxophone. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. He goes, no, come on. We need the saxophone. It's, it's a really, he, he hooked me with the idea of like, it's a great way to, to expand your musical skills because you have to play in all these keys. And, and he hooked me in with that and I'm like, damn it. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, But it ended up being really fun. And, Met a lot of great people, both from the Glee Club side of it and from the band side of it. A lot of killer players who were just kind of there having some fun on a Tuesday night, you know, getting together and playing music. But uh, the director was a bit notorious for having very strong feelings and having blow up moments and huh. at the at the most random times. And so it's just one of those things where we like we as the band would always get forgotten because the glee club of course they're the ones who are singing and dancing they're the show so of course like they need to be the ones that are harped on the most and the band was just kind of forgotten most of the time which which sucked but then there's one specific rehearsal i remember we we always did this big show in april and we had like it was a full-on production like we did three performances of it. It was, we were in the big theater on ball state campus. We like hired union guys to do the curtains and the lights and stuff. But at the same time, our, our university, like the ensemble also had like music tech people. So people who were studying music technology would run monitors or run sound for the you know front of house sound and all that kind of stuff. But we'd have these tech week rehearsals and just like as one experience of like just getting yelled at for no reason, but two, just like it was also kind of funny whenever he would blow up. So there was one week in particular where there was in the Glee Club, there was a bit of a confusion of like where we were starting at the, at a point in a rehearsal and where we were, you know, what costume we needed to have on for what thing. Um, and of course, it's tech week. So everybody's like stressed out as fuck and just kind of go like, oh, my God, what are we doing? So yeah. it got to the point where the director got so pissed off. He just yells from the back of the of the auditorium hall and comes running down the aisle at us and just goes stop and yelling at us and she goes what the hell's going on y'all need to get your act together this is ridiculous we have a performance this week and just started going off on us but the thing that i that was the funniest and the thing that was just like that made it so lighthearted out of all like kind of the goods and the bads of it was he in his anger just goes now get off stage and get those goddamn skirts on and just yells it to the girls. And then very quietly, one of the girls in the Glee Club members, uh, not realizing her microphone was still on, just goes, hang on, guys, got to go get my goddamn skirt on. <laughs> it just walks off stage and says it very underneath her breath. And it was just one of those moments where like, as a band member, we we're just sitting there like twiddling our thumbs being like, what are we doing? Why are we getting yelled at to stop? Why are we getting yelled at for this? This is ridiculous. What's going on? Just kind of some of those frustrations that happen in, in kind of wind rehearsals when, when you're getting yelled at and it's not even your fault. Why is it like music directors? I'm not saying all of them, but they have like a, you know, they're, what's that word? Uh, I feel like this happens a lot with them. They're, the short fuse. That's yeah. The word. Like yeah. I feel, it was... I feel like in like high school, we might have a music teacher like that too. Like, what the fuck, man? 
yeah i thought music was a supposed to be a beautiful stress relief thing why you gotta be a jerk and that that was the thing that was like the thing for us is like most of the people in the band like we were just here to like play some songs that were a little bit different and get an experience that was a little bit different than what was earned and you know but it was it was really important to these directors and they they had a short fuse where if you mess something up too many times like he wouldn't he wouldn't be afraid to chew your ass out in front of everybody in front of the whole tech team in front of the whole glee club like in front of everybody and it's just it's a little bit of like the i don't know if you've all seen that movie um whiplash um it's it's it gives vibe like that movie came out and a lot of people who went to school for music were like, I've had experiences like that. Like, yeah, this I've, is, I've never heard of this movie. It sounds like a car wreck movie. Oh, yes. so kind of it's, so it's, it's a movie with, I won't go too much into it. The it's mm. a movie with um, miles Teller and um, JK Simmons. And the whole story mm. is that miles Teller wants to be the best drummer and the best jazz drummer out there. And JK Simmons is, is an abusive professor who. Wants Puts to the see fear of God in all of the students. Who wants to see pictures of Spider-Man? Yeah, okay. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what he does. <laughs> that, but, for some odd reason, that sounds like he would make that kind of role real well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's a it's a good movie. It's definitely. I think it won a couple Oscars for some acting or something stuff like that. But it came out, and a lot of people who went to school for music were appreciative of the of the um depiction of it like mm. i will and and most everybody would say that's not real in the sense where i've never had a director of an ensemble get abusive with any of us i've never had a director put hands on me things like that but i have been humiliated in front of a whole ensemble before or i have you know put hours upon hours upon hours in a practice room to where my hands started bleeding but I had to just make it work and get to the next thing, you know, make sure I could play the thing that I need to play so I can be a better musician. So it was one of those things that like thinking back on like watching that movie, like thinking back on those moments always came up to me, but. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's still some sort of abuse. I mean, uh, for, for Hollywood, they want to over overdo it, but like, yeah, it's sure. It's annoying to have somebody breathing down your neck. But sure these are really different stories now that i think about it. i don't think i think you might be our maybe our second choir person we had another guy but yeah okay so what well, what, what what what's that i was gonna say well like, those are the last of my my band and choir stories that i have and oh okay now now i feel like it'll get into stuff that you guys should know about or sure you guys have some some interest or not interest but like some some run-ins as well hmm and this is one I'll tell you that happened recently. Um, so we, uh, Five After Midnight is our cover band. We got hired to play a um, a private party gig for an organization celebrating kind of like an end of season party type thing. And the way it was described to us is that it was at a country club. So we had to dress up to the nines and everybody knew that this was an event that always happened. There was always a band that came and played. A lot of our clientele is older, but, you know, we want to be like, they want to dance. They want to be there. So we just want to hear the, we want to hear the cover band stuff. Mm. So we get to the venue, we set up, we're there, 
you know, a couple hours early as you, as you do to a gig and if you have time to set up. And so it was kind of nice to take our time and we felt really relaxed and really dialed in our sound and with our, our gear that we have with our, all of our stuff. And we're told um, everybody's going to be in a dining hall kind of across the hallway and they're going to be there when they serve dessert. We're going to open up the doors to you guys and you guys can just start playing. And that way people know that like, it's time to party. You can finish your dance and come on over. <laughs> and it was a, a different thing. Like we were kind of like, okay, sure. And whatever, you know, whatever works, whatever happens, you know, and it ends up being that the uh, dessert gets, you know, dinner happens late. So dessert gets run late. So now where it's like 15 minutes later than what we should be playing. Um, we're playing music on our speakers to kind of keep ourselves entertained until it's time to go. And nobody's saying a thing. Like the doors are closed. Nobody's saying like, Hey, can you guys turn it down? We're trying to talk to you. Like nobody says anything. We open the doors. We feel like we're at a good, comfortable level for volume. That's not too crazy. And we start playing our first song and we open up with the rubber band man by the spinners. And we go to play that. And it's, a full song with, you know, heavy keys, heavy horn parts in it. We're playing and we get about halfway through the song or something like that. And this lady walks in and she's dressed up like somebody who's attending the event. So somebody who is a part of whatever club is, you know, hired us to play the music. Huh. And she comes in and we're expecting like, oh, cool. Here's our first guest coming in. <laughs> and she ends up looking at us and screaming at us and goes, turn down too loud. Y'all need to turn down. What are you doing? And we're just looking at each other like, what the hell is going on? This is ridiculous. Like, what is this? So we, <laughs> in the moment, we don't have a, we typically don't have a, a dedicated sound guy. So I run our sound off of a, an iPad that's in front of me. So I, pop it up and turn the main volume down a little bit. And then she just kind of walks away and stampedes off. And we just keep playing the song and just kind of go through it. And everybody kind of backs off just like two or 3%. And we're like, what the hell? And song ends. And we kind of go into the bit of like, good evening, everybody. We're here. We're five after midnight. But we have that little break where we all kind of look at each other. And we're like, what the hell was that? It was the huh. weirdest way to be welcomed to an event. I think we've ever seen like you paid for us to be here you knew there was a live band coming and like playing dance music. Why are you yelling at us? Shouldn't get the memo. <laughs> Clearly did not. No. So did you, did you end up getting people to dance and did the rest of the evening go fine? That's what I'm saying. R rest of the evening went fine. I would say she was, she was the one off. Um, never even saw her again. Like, don't know if, if she decided dinner's over and I'm going home and I'm, I'm done dealing with this, like never saw her again, but a lot of people, it ended up being like everything that they told us ahead of time was correct. Like they were, we had a lot of people who were on the dance floor in front of us and they were very eager. They came up to us. Are you guys, do you guys play this song? Yeah, we play that song. We'll play it later in our set. Oh, awesome. Oh my gosh. You guys are great. We'd love to hear you come. I mean, just mm. all the, all the normal things that people dancing and having fun. Do you remember what dessert was? Made me hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't. All right, I think, shit. I, I assume it was some sort of like cake. I don't know. <laughs> I would hope so. Nice. Well, I guess that. I guess that's not terrible. You get yelled at by like some snooty lady. I mean, could be worse, right? 
could, could be a lot worse. Unless she was a drunk, snooty lady. I actually she... got yelled at by a lady before. It was some girl's mom. <laughs> so, How did that happen? What? We're being yeah. too loud? <laughs> we were asked to play a Sweet 16 birthday party. Now, <laughs> we actually played several of those. And this one was actually one of the best shows we'd ever played. It wasn't really a show, but they asked us to bring in a couple bands. And it was here in Peru. And it was free, so we promoted it like a show. And... Anyone that knows me, especially back then, I was, I can be a real fucking prick when I need to be. Um, mm. We were doing everything for free. We brought in the PA. I brought in the bands. It was all for these two girls' birthday party. And I did all the promoting. Well, they got mad because I set up our merch. <laughs> what? She said, you can't sell stuff here. This is a birthday party. And me with my big balls said, okay, well, then I'll just take every fucking thing with us and get the fuck out of here then, was my exact words. And then the girl's like, no, 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 get mad at her mom. And then this is before it even started. And then as the night went on, whatever, whatever, they come and give me $100 at the end of the night because of how great it turned out. <laughs> uh, like, we weren't asking for money or anything like that. It was just get to play in town i found it funny you're trying to sell merch at a at a birthday party i don't know why i found well, that funny <laughs> to me it was just like we had shirts and we had other things like we're doing this for free this was our way of well yeah yeah but i didn't expect i guess i didn't expect like young kids to have money on them but i get it <laughs> it was no different to like it wasn't just whoever she invited like they wanted people there because they came to shows they were girls that kind of like that stuff so they wanted a birthday party and they wanted bands right. to play at their birthday party so to me it was just like okay we played at another one we actually played at like four or five within a year of sweet 16 part we played one in fort wayne we played That's one in really we played like one in all these random little towns somehow we got added to these shows because back in like 2008 2009 like that's what kids love were shows and they're always like girls that want it I don't know. It's just because we were boys playing in bands, and back then that was cool. things they were cool and they're into. They like boys that played in bands or whatever. But when well, no, we played a lot of Sweet Sixteen birthday parties, and a lot of them were actually pretty fun. I, I it reminds me, we got offered to play somebody's birthday, and the lady was going to give us money, but it was just, I'm like, we're not, we're not a cover band. We're not gonna. We're only gonna play for like 30, 40 minutes at the most. And we didn't have a bass player at the time, so I had to tell her no. Because I just found it weird to play somebody's birthday, like just one band. I don't know. And what a, the best photos we had came from that because that place was because it was free. So literally, and they promoted it at school as their party or whatever. So it was so many like high school kids. That building was completely like wall to wall packed. There's at least like 250 to 300 people there. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't. That it's, wouldn't happen to me. But yeah, had it been a normal show and everyone had to pay to get in or something like that, it would have never panned out the way it did. Yeah, but well, I bet that was actually like a really fun show as well because because they are high school kids who just want to have live music just for live music's sake. I bet it was especially in that time when like new metal was around a lot, and that was a lot of people were enjoying that that kind of version of metal i bet it was like 
I bet it was just a fun show to have like all these kids kind of vibing off you and just, you know, going all for it. And did they have cake? Yeah, they had cakes. Um, <laughs> kids were kids were crowd surfing. And, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> there's a video on YouTube. I think it's I'll find it. I send you guys later. It's Sweet Sixteen. Like you because our band used to play like, which we still did it up till recently. We always put like dance music, like interludes or like something in there. And towards the end of the set, we did this and everyone was like dancing at the end of this, like when we got done playing and like, there was just so many people bouncing off the walls. It was crazy. Mm. But well, we just, we knew how to have a good time. Apparently. I haven't played a birthday yet. So cross my fingers that this will be the year. <laughs> we're, we're too old now. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't feel like being the 40-year-old guy playing at a 16-year-old's birthday party. I don't think they want us there. No, I I meant like an adult adult's birthday party, not like a kid's. I know, <laughs> but my point is the kids had the energy. Now we play for adults. All they want to do is be drunk and pass out. Right. That's right. It's too late. It's 8 p.m. I got to go home. <laughs> I got kids and bills to pay. Yep. <laughs> So I almost feel like I have the opposite problem at times. Like I feel like I can't get people to stop coming up to me when we're playing a show and telling me it's their birthday. Like I, I, I kind of understand the idea. Like it's you're at a bar, you're out, you're hanging out with your friends. Oh my God, there's a band. Wouldn't it be great if we got the band to say happy birthday to Becky? Like, wouldn't it be great if that was the case? And so I kind of, I, part of me kind of gets it, but at the same time, like, I don't, uh, I don't care. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. We'll stop our set that we've had prepared and that we're doing just so that we can sing happy birthday to Becky. Like happy birthday, sure. Becky. That means yeah. a lot to her. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I was going to say something inappropriate. I won't. <laughs> All right. I don't know Becky, so I can't make judgment on her. He just, it's just the name. He didn't I, know, say right. I, yeah. I know I'm making a joke. Oh, oh. I was say usually happy birthday, Becky. She's in the bathroom doing some blow, comes out. Woo! It's her birthday. Yes. <laughs> Gotta make bad. sure Becky has a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Most Beckys are, I think. It's just a it's just a name they give it a happy go lucky people, I guess. I don't I know. I, I used to date one. Oh. She didn't she didn't go by that though. It was Rebecca? Yeah. Difference, big difference somehow. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, Patrick, any yes. other? Uh, Why did you stories? say it like that? <laughs> because it sounds seductive, Patrick. Because, like, I saw the word five on the screen and I was like, Pat five, Pat, Pat, Pat. Yeah, I was gonna, I almost forgot your name for a second. <laughs> Just think of Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, chicken wire. Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse. Man, man, I think if I win the lottery, I'm probably gonna like recreate that same fucking bar and like actually get chicken wire on the stage. I mean it, it basically try to recreate the whole bars in that movie. No, I've actually yeah. I've actually played on a stage. It was a again a high school theater production, but I've played on a stage behind chicken wire before. <laughs> Why? We, I was, yeah. So I was in, um, again, you know, in band and playing the thing. So my senior year of high school, they, uh, they played, um, 
Footloose as their musical. <laughs> and so they wanted to do the bar scene and where that was the start of the second act. And they're like, well, we'll just play John Mellencamp's Hurt So Good. But because of what the song is about, the school came in and they're like, no, you're not, not going to use that song to play at the beginning of the school sponsored play. We're not going to do that. So kind of on a whim, the uh, music, the like theater director and the band director came up to the drummer, the bassist, the guitarist and myself and said, Hey, can you guys learn this song? It's just like a quick head. We want to open the second act with this music with a band playing behind some chicken wire. <laughs> and so we, so it's what we did like intermission. We got out of our seats in the pit and went up on stage and like had to bring like a, a spare shirt to change into since we were actually on stage and we, they, you know, they do a curtain call and we'd have the director kind of look at us and start playing. And we would do like one, we would do like two choruses through hurt. So good. And that was like just the right amount of time they needed, but the, they specifically built that chicken wire stage. Cause they wanted to recreate kind of like that, that exact bar scene. Hmm. Little, little, no, I've never seen footloose ever. <laughs> I've never it seen screams eighties. I mean, I, I, that's probably why the reason I should watch it, because all I know is that silly song, and I've never seen that damn movie. And I think it shows up on one of the streaming networks, and I just get tempted to watch it, but I'm like, maybe I hate it. But I think I'm going to end up watching it now because of your chicken wire. I've never seen that. I've never seen Roadhouse. I've never seen any. You've never seen Roadhouse? Man, man. That is like, that is a national treasure. It's, it's so bad, it's good. It's another one. <laughs> You're gonna make we're gonna make you a list of all these movies you're probably supposed to watch. Your life is complete. <laughs> you get right onto that, and I'll probably still not watch them. All right, that's cool. <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> no shit. But yeah, yeah. I, and then I remember, and you said John Cougar Mellencamp, and it's like <laughs> a funny story about him. Like I had a couple years ago, I don't know how many years ago, went to the how Cleveland musical hall of fame whatever and i don't know if it was like john cougar month or whatever the hell it was but like he had like a huge display like a whole room of john cougar and i don't want really to like the guy but like <laughs> it was ridiculous maybe he just got inducted maybe that's why he had so much stuff and it was like i think like when you get indu inducted do they have like a whole like massive amount of your stuff and then they kind of like condense it down for a few things like everybody oh you guys have ever been there no yeah no, no, i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> yeah like, it's uh, you, yeah you're you're right in that like they they kind of keep some of your the new inductees for the hall of fame they want to put like some of their stuff on on display as the exhibit for people to come see and yeah they kind of whittle it down the further away you are from being inducted right and he had like a shitload of stuff i'm like I didn't know he did all this stuff, but whatever. I just remember that. Don't ask me why that reminded me of him, but because he's like Indiana's pride and joy, I guess. You remember when we first started this and I was talking to someone that with the drummer for Mellencamp was supposed to come on an episode, but I've never heard back from him. Oh, he was supposed to come on the, uh, on the show? The drummer that plays for John Mellencamp. Um, Currently had, playing? I believe so, yeah. 
They probably got busy. My <laughs> wife's stepmom knows his relation, either his mom or some, I don't know, the drummer. And they were talking about it, and he was supposed to get a hold of us to come on an episode, I think. But I don't know whatever happened with that, and I kind of forgot about it up until you just said his name, and it reminded me. Oh, well, you better better see what's going on there. Anyway, I would say that I, I would tune back in for that episode for sure. That I'm sure he uh-huh. has some great stories. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, what other stories do you currently got? <laughs> yeah, Don't no, yeah. You. yeah, no, you're good. I I got one. Um, just kind of just the, the crazy things you see at shows, and you know, just the different shows that you've done. So one of the things, and this is one that it's it's kind of a, a fun thing. I get to hang over my drummer's head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's he's got stuff he can hang over my head, so we kind of go back and forth, and we're we're good friends outside of the band as well. So I know he'd be okay with me sharing this as well. So we had a gig back in like 2017. So we were pretty young in our in our uh, attempting to do cover band and get gigs thing. It was like one of the first few gigs that we had. Mm-hmm. We were playing at a farmer's market in Whitestown or something like that, and we are our regular bassist couldn't make it because he has an annual trip. So we had to get a bass sub and we did, and we found somebody and we got him up to speed and did all that fun stuff. But we, we were so new and had no idea of kind of what to expect for gigs that we, the only thing we had was like, like we're our amps and that's it. Like the keyboardist brought his own amp. I had a electric amp that I played out of and I had my vocals and our female singers vocals going through uh, one of those Fishman loud boxes. Like we, we didn't have a PA system for nothing. So mm. we just had no idea. So this bassist um, that is subbing in for us tells us like the, the last rehearsal before the gig, he goes, Hey, you know, I'm really close with the guy who runs sound at my church. I bet you he'd be willing to bring his stuff out and run sound for you guys for the show. And we'd be like, well, what's that going to cost? Like, there's no way this is going to be, there's no way that this is like, this is going to be free. We, and we know that gets to be expensive. We don't have a lot of money right now. Mm. Um, and he goes, ah, don't worry about it. Like I'll, I'll, I got something that I'll, I'll have you, have you guys do and ha- have you men do, but for now, don't worry about it. He, he'll, he'll, he'll come out. I go, famous okay. Last and, words. Oh, famous last words. Indeed. He, so we, we go, okay, sure. And this dude brings out, we, I forget really kind of everything. I barely met him, but I mean, he brought out a whole like church size soundboard with subs and speakers. And like, it was our first realization of like, oh, we're supposed to have this because most places will not provide this. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of an eye opening experience for, for us. And we played the show and it goes fine. It was you know, a farmer's market and people not really listening to us or kind of walking by, but the people who booked us enjoyed it. And it was, it was a good time. It was, we were just happy to get out and play at that point, regardless of what it was. So what we find out after the fact is um, the drummer was the guy who found the bassist and he knows he knew him through just a mutual connection. And at the show, when we're done, we help the sound guy pack everything up and he gets all his stuff and he leaves base sub comes over to us and goes, all right, well, here's the deal gentlemen. And he specifically is only talking to the guys in the group, which would have been myself, uh, our keyboardist or former keyboardist and our current drummer. And he goes, all right, gentlemen, here's, here's the deal. He came out, 
he said he was fine. We didn't pay anything. But as you know, he's from he's from the church and we have a men's retreat coming up. Huh. So as long as you guys come out to the men's retreat, we'll call it even. You don't have to pay him anything. And <laughs> most of us in the band aren't religious. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. So we're not religious. And, you know, we we all have different theories and things and, you know, not to get into that here and not the right place, but it was just one of those things where we're like, sure, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll come just let us know when it is. So what ends up happening is the keyboardist kind of disappears from that conversation and the drummer, because he's the only one who's ever had contact with his bass sub, the bass sub tells him, he's like, all right, well, you got to get the guys. They got to come out and make it. And you're coming, right? You're coming to this re- this men's retreat, right? And the drummer says, yes, I'm coming to the men's retreat. And he reaches out to me. Drummer reaches out to me and says, hey, this is the weekend for the men's retreat. You're coming, right? And I just go, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, why, why would I? And he goes, you better not leave me alone on this. <laughs> and I just go, sorry, man, I, I have work that weekend. I can't do it. I, I gave some something that seemed like a, a bullshit excuse, but actually was legitimate. Like I had something going on. I couldn't make it. And so our drummer ended up as payment for the sound guy to come do the show went on this men's retreat and our drummer is not religious at all. He's just kind of, oh, he's, he's just kind of there. So to, he came back after that weekend and he just stayed, he's seething at us just going, you owe me one. And it's something we laugh about now, but like, it was just one of those things where like, man, kind of crazy just as a one just as an, a first experience of like trading payment or finding different forms of payment was kind of eye-opening for us but it it was one that like our drummer i i could bring it up this day and he's still like fuck you guys for not coming along with us that's bullshit you should have come with me what did they do at this men's retreat yeah did he tell you stories he he did essentially from what i from what i understand it was a lot of just like deepening your relationship with god as a man and as a man of christ and it was <laughs> one of those kinds of really like one of those kinds of retreats of like because it was just dudes it was just a bunch of guys who were at that church and wanting to deepen so they have conversations of like how to be a better husband how to be a better father and how to how your relationship with christ involves you know all of that and how you can be better at that and the drummer just still to this day tells me he's like uh, it was the most useless weekend I've ever been to <laughs> because he is not religious as, as I said I, earlier. I went to a, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I went to a church retreat once when I was younger and it was in Carmel, Indiana. Yeah. You talk like, about this <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Where yeah, the guy was... was trying to be Mexican or whatever is a white guy. You said, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well i'll make it quick <laughs> oh like I, I i'm mexican right but i can't be, i can't i can only speak a little spanish and my grandma used to take me to a mexican church and i did not understand it i was bored i'd actually escaped to go to the arcade sorry grandma rest in peace anyway so <laughs> we were, somehow she signed me up to go to this u2000 thing but this was like in 90 shit i was in middle school so it could have been like 90 two or three yeah that that it's my that dates me anyway so we went down there and like it was just a lot of praying and we had like a 
a couple people I never seen in our group, and there was this white guy, and I don't know if he was our chaperone or whatever, but like I remember towards the end, he put on one of those poncho things to represent us, but I'm like, we don't wear those. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know, like I I just I never seen the guy again afterwards. But like I don't know what that was all about him putting on the 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 colored poncho. Like I don't know, I just and then the whole thing was weird, you know, just because I don't have a good relationship with God like that. <laughs> so again, as you said, as your drummer said that was a good waste of nothing. They gave us free. Yeah. They gave us free snacks at the end, so I filled my bag full of shit. But like, I was just glad to be home. It was just not my thing. So I can't imagine being a full grown adult and like being told like how you should do things under God. You know, I I guarantee you, he'll listen to this podcast, or he'll he, I can bring he'll it up re- any day, and he'll just be like, "Dude, fuck you for that! How dare you do that to me? You still owe me for that." Yeah, but at least he didn't have some dude of. Is it a poncho? Like walk around a poncho, <laughs> trying to represent your people when he's clearly white. But whatever. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that brought that. I've, so I've been to a, a retreat of some sort, but again, I've never been to adult. What did the dude actually like look like? For some reason, I don't know why I'm just picturing the dude from The Simpsons, and I can't think what his name is. The really the, religious the, the, neighbor, the white guy. The right guy, yes. the poncho. Did he have uh, the glasses remember... and the mustache? No, he looked like. Remember those American Ninja movies? Yeah, he looked like that guy. <laughs> like a little bit of a, like like Dave Coulier and that guy. I'm trying to think what that guy is. You'd have to look him up, but just think of like Uncle Joey from my Full House mixed with that guy. <laughs> I'm, kind of looks I'm looking it up right now like the most white honky person ever so now that i'm i've listened to your voice i'm gonna try and make a guess here all right about what you look at first i kind of thought you looked like david hasselhoff mixed with the kid from like bad santa like the older version of the dude's name is michael dudikoff yes (laughs) am i close you talk, are you are you saying if I look like Hasselhoff or like a, if, little, if this guy? A little bit of, little bit of yeah, I was, I, I was going to guess what you look like. Like I was thinking David Hasselhoff at first and then like mixed with the kid from like Bad Santa. I just picture um, curly, curly hair. I will say, well, okay, my hair does curl, but it is <laughs> it is not curly, I would say. Okay. Um. Would you like to see and see see if if you're sure? I can throw on. the video on to show sure. you. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> it doesn't work. I don't see you. Oh no! <laughs> He's like, there, there we go. go. <laughs> totally no! I did not picture that shit. No. Way off. Yeah, j- just a just a redhead with glasses. He looks like the guy from last redhead. night. Only he had long hair. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Gotcha. <laughs> right on. I screwed it up. All right. Now you're good. Yeah. So any other uh goofy things that happened? Yeah, I got a, a couple other ones that I think would be kind of just on the the weird side of things. Um yeah. and I and I will say I know a lot of this, like a lot of these things I've I'm sure a bunch of people have experienced before. I don't I don't feel like 
especially as a cover band, like I'm sure, or, or an original band, a lot of people go through this, but man, it's just interesting to hear kind of the, the random things that happen. Yeah. And I, I know we all struggle to get gigs and things like that, but kind of, again, back when we were first starting up, um, we were just, just to try to get something, we were doing open mics just to, you know, try to do the grind, you know, find an open mic, you get three songs, go up and play and just see what happens. Mm. So we, we had found a regular spot that did open mics every Thursday in the North side of Indianapolis. And um, they were a good spot. Like we don't have any hate for them, Um, (laughs) you know, and they, they, they still do this. Um, But it was the way that this specific situation was handled was just a little frustrating for us. Like, ah, damn. But um, the, we, we had played over and over and over again. And, we, it was like it was like a weekly gig for us almost like we went every week just to try and continue something it was also a good place for us to just try out new versions of songs and so we mm. did it a bunch um and it had been it had been a minute since we've done an open mic i don't know about a couple of weeks went by my drummer and i who are kind of the the managers of our band we decided well let's go out and try to you know do some not recruiting, but just like some canvassing and go to all these different bars and say, Hey, we're a, you know, we're a cover band. We're trying to get some spots here. And we decided to go to that particular joint that did the open mics. Hmm. So we go and we walk in and there's somebody who we've recognized as, you know, we've started to recognize the employees, know their names, know the people who run the open mics and things like that. And we walk in and one of the employees recognizes us and she walks up and goes, Oh my gosh, Hey, how are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're great. And she goes, so when are you going to perform here? Like, when are you going to play here? And we kind of look at each other and go like, I mean, we're ready to play now. Like we we're shocked. You haven't asked us like, what do you mean? Like, when are we going to play here? Like we we've reached out to you via email. We've not gotten anything back. We've talked to every, you know, different people. Every time we come and do an open mic, we're not hearing anything like we're ready to play. And she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you know, there's something weird going on with the emails and like who gets ownership of it. Um, it's, you know, because it's, it's a generic one and whoever has the password changes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Let me, I'll check and I'll make sure to email you and we'll get you set up. And we're like, that's fantastic. So we leave that night feeling high and we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. We get an email from her later. It says, yep, we'd love to have you come out. We're kind of going through a few things. So let me just go through the changes and then we'll get back to you about a date. Sounds great. We'll hear from you soon. Again, famous last words. Huh. So it ends up ends up being that the person who we were in contact with for so long actually left that that particular bar and they put someone else in charge of to do all the booking. And he knew us because we had played at all the open mics. It's the same guy who was running the open mics and running sound and kind of playing as the host. So he knew us. And this was way before we had horn players it was really just like keys bass guitar and drums um and the stage that they had was really tiny it's a smaller venue they really only should have like acoustic gigs there and we walk up to him and say hey congratulations on the new role we heard that you took over for that person um i don't know if she told you but she was in the works for getting us like a full gig like a saturday night instead of an open mic can we like 
we just want to check with you since you're the new person if you have that and just straight to our face he goes yeah i'll never hire you all right <laughs> and we were, we were just like well why he goes well you're too big like the 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 the, the you have so many people that get up on that stage at like i'm never gonna fit you so i'll never hire you and we were just kind of like okay but she just told us that she would hire us and we were just waiting on a date everything else is pretty much confirmed like what do you mean and it was just like yeah sorry just i'm in charge now this is the way i'm doing it and sorry you're not getting a gig and i'll never hire you because you're too big that doesn't that's stupid yeah <laughs> huh that's a that's very strange in general like even it's all already arranged it's like look the work has been done for you you know right Ugh. All you gotta do is give me a date. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it it sucked because that was one of the that was one of the first times where we feel like we were actually getting a gig, and it was like, man, we left on cloud nine. Like, man, the place that we've putting in all this work is gonna finally give us a show. We can finally like do a show, show. And then they pull the rug from under us. It just felt like just so demoralizing. Just like, oh, hmm. come on. I mean, I would think, well, again, you probably moved on and like, because, you know, Indy's relatively, that's not really big, but I'm sure there's like a, other places you could have tried out anyway, you know. For sure. We ended yeah. up in, it ended up being that um, there was the, the, this place where we were doing open mics, they have a lot of locations around the city. Hmm. And um, we found out that there was one around the corner from a drummer's house that had a bigger stage and and more like more just square footage inside than the one that we were used to going on the north side. So we were essentially just like, oh, just let's just try it. Let's just go in and see what happens. Like, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe it's the same guy doing everything, maybe not. So our drummer just walked in and talked to the manager of that particular location, and he goes, Oh, no, no, no. We don't do anything with all the other locations. I run this one specifically. We're just kind of grandfathered in under the same name of the other bars. And they were the ones who actually gave us our first shot. So we got, we did a number of gigs for them over our first few years, really, really getting out and playing. And we, we owe them a lot for just like giving us a chance and doing something, but we, we've luckily found ground in other locations. Um, but it was very, as the very naive newbies to the scene, it was very eye-opening to us that, like, you know, someone's word isn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything until you get a confirmed date in hand. Yep. <laughs> I, we've, we can all relate to that. Like, yeah, it'll be all right. And then you don't hear from the person. Yeah. I can't stand, I can't stand that uncertainty and bad communication. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get it. I was going to, actually, I was going to ask you, so during the Beast era or time, like, um, how did that affect your gigs and everything else musically? Like, what did you do during that time when things shut down? It, man, it sucked. We, so the Beast reared its head and I feel like much like other people have a similar experience we felt like we were just gaining traction right before it hit. Mm -hmm. So like we played 
you know, like we, we were just kind of doing gigs here and there, like once every three or four months, like nothing that was really like feeding our hunger for wanting to play. Yeah, We were seeing, you know, going out and hearing other bands and we're like, man, we just want to get on that stage. We just want to do something. And then randomly in November of 19, we started picking up and getting more shows. And this is kind of that, where that, that particular location gave us a chance. Yeah. Um, so we did that and we did six shows between November of 19 and the, the last show we did right before the beast reared its ugly head was March 13th of 2020. And so like right before everything happened yeah. and same thing, it just, we, it feel like it took the wind out of our sails. Like we felt like we were really gaining traction to then have everything go away. So in the meantime, we tried to stay together, but we had some, you know, we, we, we didn't have any loss of things. It was really more or less like we really started thinking about what do we need to do to make it more stable when live music comes back. Yeah. So we did a lot of just practicing on our own of like, here's this song. You need to practice it. What if we revamped a set list? Like what if we tried to play this song instead of that one? Hey, we're tired of playing this song. Can we substitute this other one in instead? So it was a lot of individual practice on there. Um, we did like uh, an acoustic live stream once, um, just like just myself with acoustic guitar and singing just a handful of songs. Mm. Um, our drummer did one live as well and like specifically talked about just his technique and his philosophy of like approaching drumming. Um just to keep something going. Um, and then we, we, we attempted to do the, the, the thing that everybody else did where like everybody records from home and you put it together in one big video so that yeah. you can watch it. We tried to do that. And then really the drummer and I were the only ones who actually did anything. Everybody else was just like, I'm sitting at home. I'm not doing that. So <laughs> it was, gotcha. it was kind of a, kind of, of a, a, a mixed bag where, some people were like, yeah, I'll do that. And some people were like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So, mm. well, yeah, well, you know, A for effort, you know, trying to keep something alive during the shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it's been, you know, it's been good to us ever since we came back. We kind of came out swinging. Like we just put our nose to the grindstone and tried to, to keep going with more gigs and just, some, yeah, you know, like, just searching yeah. for something. Yeah, I feel like it would have been. I would say it been it. It seemed like it would be a lot easier now because people were hungry for any kind of entertainment, and it'd be easier yeah. for you guys to get more opportunities. I would think. Yeah, we yeah. also we put a lot of effort into we like we changed our strategy of how to go about trying to find gigs as well. So like we we uh, applied to play in the Carmel Porch Fest that they do around around labor day maybe like a couple weeks after labor day every year and we somebody i think our our um our two of our brass players live in the carmel area and so they specifically said hey this is something we've noticed and we see signage for all the time can i just put our name in and see if we can get selected and we sure yeah go for it so mm. we did that and have kind of found a, a handful of people who have reached out to us for gigs because of that. Um, we tried to do more open mics and 
things like that. We've gone to, you know, wedding trade shows to try to see if people be interested in hiring us as a wedding band as well. Like we're, we're kind of trying to find other ways to find gigs and just to, just to get out and play just because it's something fun we like to do. Yeah. Oh, Carmel, Indiana. <laughs> Gotta love the roundabouts. I guess. Uh, that's all. <laughs> Hamilton County is the capital of roundabouts. It sure is. Sounds familiar. Like we were in the South Bend area. There's a lot of roundabouts. I noticed that the other day when I had to drive up there last week. I'm sorry. I apologize for that, but I had nothing to do with that either. <laughs> yeah, blame it, it was to the, interesting. Blame it to our uh, transportation, our current transportation guy. <laughs> anyway. <Yeah. laughs> Another topic, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... I don't want to try and cut anything off. If you got anything else to share, that's fine. I'll say... But. I'll say I got like I got one more that would be like just kind of the kind of the the one that would be just, just I think we've all experienced like crazy people at a show. Yeah. yeah. And then it's it's just kind of just our experience with it. Um and I would say it's probably the, the last one I got for you, but um I'll I'll just hop into it if you're if that's okay. Well that's oh. perfectly cool. Cool. Uh-huh. So uh so this is a couple years back. Uh, I think it was maybe late 21. So somewhat recent, but not, not terribly new. Um, we were playing at uh, a books and brews on the South side of Indy. And it was one of those spots that we went to pretty frequently after we kind of got gained some traction. Hmm. And it was particularly the one that's right next to the university of Indianapolis campus, which has uh, a red line bus stop right next to it. And they have since gone out of business. They're not, they're not there anymore. They closed, I think, um, just late last year. I think they just they closed their doors. And we again, we owe them a lot. They kind of gave us a, a good chance, and we had a lot of fun gigs there. But one particular night, just because it was right next to the bus line, and because it was right next to the university, we would see a lot of characters just kind of hanging out <laughs> at that bus stop anytime we were playing. So one particular night, I remember it was a it was a colder month show because we were actually inside instead of being outside, and we're playing. It's it's a smaller venue, like maybe fifty people were there. Like it's not you know not not a ton. And even then, you know when you go there, you have board games to play and food to order and things like that. So it's mainly our friends and family, which is fine because a you know a gig is a gig is a gig, and we're just happy to be there. But they have two doors uh, for that, for that particular space. One's right off the parking lot and one's uh, right off the sidewalk next to the bus station. So we're playing our set. We're doing our thing. And this guy walks in from the side door, which is near all of our gear. So we all immediately kind of look over, like we don't recognize you what's going on. And luckily he just comes in, he sits down at one of the tables, but he sits down at a table. That's like right in front of us. I mean, this guy's literally three to five feet away from me on stage. And in my stage, I mean, like, it's a half step. Like, it's barely a step up. Um, And he's he seems normal at first. Just seems like a normal dude. Just grabs a Coke, only gets a Coke. That's it. And then, then he starts acting like your typical drunk guy. Like, huh. typical guy who's just kind of really into it and, like, really happy about it and just kind of wooing and doing all those things and we're like cool we got a a random fan who's here 
And then he pulls out some cash and we have a tip jar that's like on the floor right in front of me. And I'm, I'm like in the middle of playing a song and he walks up to me and tries to hand me the cash of like, Hey, you guys are real good. You should take this. You guys are real good. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm playing a song right now, man. You got to give me like, put it in the jar. So I kind of shake him off for a little bit and he goes and sits back down <laughs> and he, but drunk brain doesn't always work that way. So he gets back up a minute later and he tries to hand me the cash and it, I'm still playing. So he doesn't, he can't give it to me. So he climbs up on stage and walks behind me and starts handing out dollar bills to everybody on the stage. <laughs> so like gives the keyboard player a dollar, puts a dollar like over hangs it in front of the drummer, drops it in front, walks over to the bass player, lays a dollar at his feet, walks over to the horn players, lays a dollar at their feet. <laughs> we're just like, what the hell's going on? And we're just like, what? This is weird enough as it is. <laughs> and only if we would have known it, it got weirder. So then he goes and sits back down. And then all of a sudden he gets really emotional, like starts crying at the table. <laughs> and like, like visibly sobbing and like <laughs> looking up and like tears coming out of his eyes, very distraught. And then he, and then he flips and then he's happy. He's drumming along and like air drumming and doing things. And then he flips and he's crying and he's sad and he's just, and we're just like, what the hell is going on? And we're trying not to let it affect us. Cause he's two feet in front of us just having this kind of a reaction. And we're, hmm. we're all just kind of, you know, one worried for ourselves. We're like, he's just walking on stage it without a care is there somebody here who can do something about it we're looking over at the bar like trying to make eye contact like do you know who this guy is and he ends up being okay he doesn't get up on the stage anymore he kind of mellows out but he stays until the end of the show and at the end of the show he comes up to us and very typical drunk patron just you know like oh my god you guys are great it just keeps on going but then we find <laughs> out why he was getting emotional and I, I feel for the guy for this part, but he goes, you know, I had a son who played drums and he loves playing. He loved it so much. I bought him a drum set, put the drums in my basement. He came over and played all the time, but he just passed away. And we're like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, so sorry to hear that you lost your son. I can't imagine dealing with that. It's, you know, you know, I, we understand if, if, you know, that makes you sad, but, you know, we're happy that you're still enjoying music and coming out. And he goes, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, it, it's in the past, but Hey, I, you guys are great. I'd love to have you come out and play at like a private show in my basement. But, and we were just like, no, sure. Sure. Man. <laughs> I think we ended up giving him a card and being like, that website gets us to our email. Like, if you want to send us an email, we'll talk to you to see what happens. Nothing came of it, but it was one of the weirdest interactions we've ever had just because like it was so out of left field out of nowhere i'm i'm laughing i'm going to hell for laughing because he was crying i'm going to hell jeez oh <laughs> i was laughing me. too we're going to hell for other reasons <laughs> yeah believe me we we were piloting that train down to hell so <laughs> right i don't yeah. know i i try not to laugh at stuff at people but at the same time i can't help it it sounded funny at the time, but now I'm, I'm human. Like, then when he said that, I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I thought he yeah. was just just that drunk. He's being emotional. 
Well, and that's and that's the thing. Like that was one of the. It was just crazy when we found out about it. We're like, I mean, we feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, like, man, we yeah, drunks are unpredictable though. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Oh boy, (laughs) it was definitely a. It's it's one of those things that we talk about in the band now. It's like, remember when that guy came up on stage and handed us dollar bills directly as tips? That's that's a lot of money in like metal metal shows he should have made it rain on you guys right just started... i expected i wish that. he did <laughs> just gets up there that. just starts making it rain one dollar bills on you <laughs> that is my dream goal for somebody to do that to me but whatever maybe <laughs> one day maybe one day i'll get monopoly money and make it rain on you guys there you go there we go monopoly <laughs> money i've only actually seen it done once and it was at a strip club in kokomo it was the hip well, that's poker. different that's it different was, though it was funny like I don't know, and I don't want to sound like stereotypical or anything like that, but like there was this group of guys, and we all thought they were like football players. We don't know. They were just bigger dudes, and they had like dudes sitting behind them that seemed like they were security, so it felt like the guy was – he had an entourage. Hmm. And uh, he just walks up there with like a wad of cash and just starts throwing like bills i don't they weren't dollar bills either they're like fives and tens and he had to be a football player yeah he was just throwing it on this girl and like you couldn't get close to the dude because he had like these other dudes and like just sitting around him it was strange but that's the only time i've ever really seen it done but i don't know the world famous hip hugger in kokomo shout out (laughs) (laughs) get a get a we get an endorsement by him so then it Every time we refer them, we get like ten dollars off a scratch. I honestly don't even know if it's open anymore. I think it might still be. I don't know. I never been, so I don't know. So that's how that goes. (laughs) I was there years ago. We were actually playing a show in Kokomo, and me and a couple of the other guys left the show and went to the hugger before it was either right after we played or before we played. I think it was before because I went back to the show and I was already drunk at that point. But we um, we went there, and a girl was asking if we were tipping, and I said no. And she's like, "Why are you gay?" And it caught me what? off it caught me off guard because I wasn't like in the right state of mind. Cause usually, I'm pretty witty, and I would have said some pretty mean shit back to her. <laughs> but because I wasn't a hundred percent all there, because we partake or part participated in some other activities before we went to the bar. So I was already feeling pretty good, a little bit slow in my reaction time. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she's like, why are you gay? I was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then like later on, I was like, fuck, I should have just told her like, no, I just don't want your dirty ass in my fucking face. Like, I don't don't (laughs) want to support your three kids with three different Mm -hmm. babies, daddies. Yeah. I don't know. I could have made some more derogatory comments, I guess, but no, I was just dumbfounded. I was just like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, fuck that bitch. (laughs) She's probably still working there. Probably. This was like 15 years ago. I still work in there. Even after it closed down, she's still working there. All right. You want to give me a tip for my dance? My kid needs a new backpack. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, sure. Here you go. <laughs> All righty. Well, we just made it weird for everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It happens. Well, Patrick, we uh, appreciate you coming out and talking with us. Usually we ask the guests to have a song to share, and that's what you guys do covers. I don't know if you actually have any originals recorded or anything you'd want to throw out there. I'm not sure what you guys have. Yeah, not yet. I mean, we we have some we have some versions of our covers out there that you can find on YouTube, but they're honestly a lot of the stuff that we have that's recorded is really old. So we don't really have a lot out there other than just kind of like whatever promo videos are on our website. So if anybody's interested in kind of checking us out, really our website's the best place to go. What's the website link? It is five after midnight indie.com, which is uh I N D Y. So five after midnight, I N D Y.com. I can throw that into the show notes that way they can find it if they're listening. Sweet. Yeah. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're doing all, all that kind of fun stuff to try to, just get you know attendance at gigs and things like that but yeah that's the best way to kind of hear us and see what's going on where do you usually play around india kind of um around the city um do some things on north and south side right now we have um we have a monthly gig at four finger distillery north in westfield so we're there once a month um you can come check us out there we have all those dates posted on our website as well uh we also occasionally go down to uh, Mallow Run Winery in Bargersville. And we also occasionally do shows up on the Madam Carol in Monticello. That's not too far from us, or for me at least. I'm I work over in Logan Sport. Monticello is only like 20 minutes from there. Yeah. You said four finger distillery. I was just thinking of five finger death punch. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Four finger uh, distillery sorry. with a five finger death punch. Yeah. You're good. That's right on. Well, again, we appreciate you coming out and talking with us and had a good time. Hope you enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, same here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yep. All right. Well, anyone out there listening, if you want to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll get you scheduled on a future episode. We're going to roll on out. So good night, everyone.